We had uh, Brother Mark out with us in the West Coast. I don't like to say the name of that state. It kind of scares people out here. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Y'all come out to that state and visit with the old Baptists out there. You won't even know you're in that state. When he was there, he mentioned, Brother Travis and I were here last year at the same time. And he asked, are y'all going to come back like you did last year after the omit? Well, absolutely. Just thankful this morning to be here with you. Just in a way of introduction this morning, I'd like us to consider for a little bit uh, our captivity. Um, we see so much going on around us, and uh, we see so many so-called theologians jumping to the conclusions, taking things out of the Bible, out of context, trying to prove end times. And number one, you can't take anything out of the Old Testament to prove old times because Jesus laid that to rest when he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me. Mm -hmm. Jesus wasn't coming to tell us about end times. So the testimony of him cannot be prophecies of old times. That's the Old Testament. Also, Jesus said it straight in the New Testament about end times. Something we need not worry about because he said only the Father knows that time. He's not going to reveal something because we have a God that cannot lie, an unchangeable God, who said only the Father knows that time. And he hasn't shared it with anybody. Whether you think, whether someone thinks that God has shared it with them, by taking something out of the Bible to try to prove. So we need not worry about end times. God's in control. He tells us in one place, the battles of this life, the battles of this world are not ours, they're His. He's going to take care of us. But we are here in our time world, and we do have a warfare in ourselves. We have a battle. Paul said... uh, I I have fought the good fight of faith. That is a situation where we only have very, very little control. You know, when I stood up here a few minutes ago, nothing I can do about that few minutes ago. And a few minutes from now, who knows what's going to happen. We have control of our fight of faith at this moment. And that's it. Our bodies are still captive. What are they captive to? The wages of sin is death. We are in our mortal, natural bodies dying. The moment we are born, we begin to die. But that gift of eternal life tells us not all of us dies. There is a part of us, if God has 
placed His Spirit within us that when our bodies cease to have natural life, we're going to fly away and be with the Lord. We're going to see His face in righteousness and we'll be satisfied. But while we're here, and we are still in a, cap- a captive state to our sin, body, and we have that fight in our nature, and even though we know that these things are not talking about end times, there are those things in Scripture that are written, as it says, for our learning. There are lessons. Uh, otherwise, why would we have what the Lord has written in Scripture? It's a benefit to God's people that when we are blessed to see these things that God has written to help us in our captivity while and until he comes back. Now, I'm going to go to the 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah this morning and look at a time when Israel and Judah had been taken into captivity. They were in Babylon. And God caused Jeremiah to be a prophet when he is very young. And even Jeremiah says, why? I'm just a child. And Jeremiah, at the end of Jeremiah, says he is being fed in his old age by the king of Babylon. You realize in Jeremiah's whole ministry, Israel and Judah never repented. Never repented. In our captivity, we are under sin from the day of our conception until the day of our passing. We never lose that captivity in that sense. But in Jeremiah, in the 29th chapter, he writes to who? The captives. And he writes to the captives trying to encourage them and tell them uh, while they are yet in their captivity, there is hope. There is a wonderful hope. And he's going to tell them in this letter that there's going to come a time when your captivity is going to end. He tells them exactly when that time is that their captivity will end. And he also tells them what to do until that time their captivity ends. And it says here, uh, let's read from the fourth verse of the 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. They are there because of their disobedience. Isaiah warned them and warned them and warned them. Jeremiah has been telling them, repent, repent, repent. They're not doing it. They're in captivity. But while they're in captivity, it say, he tells them, Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. You know, where, how can we apply this in our captivity? We build houses to come in and worship the Lord our God. And even in our captivity and in our sin, we have a place 
that God has set aside for us. When Jesus says uh, and told Peter, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Build ye houses and plant. What are we planting? We're sowing the seed of faith uh, in the gospel to God's people that would find a lodging place in their heart to encourage them uh, in their captivity. Take ye wives and begat sons and daughters and take wives to your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may increase and not diminish. They're telling them that you take into yourselves those that are part uh, of the family of God. The, the, the families of Israel marry into the family. Don't it, mingle. Don't mingle with the Babylonians. Build your houses. Live in your houses. Live with your people. Don't mingle yourselves out there in those worldly, uh, into Babylon, uh, taking unto you the, the wives uh, of that nation. You remember what happened before the flood? It said uh, the sons of God took unto them uh, the, the, uh, the, the daughters of men. You know what that meant? It says those that were believers, uh, that believed in God, married those that were not. And you know what happened there? Eventually it says uh, they all, uh, their hearts uh, uh, turned away from God altogether. Right? Uh, the believers didn't get the unbelievers to believe, but the unbelievers got the believers to start acting like unbelievers. And God repented that he made man and he destroyed man and all that breathing uh, that had breath uh, uh, in the flood. God's Justice. And by the way, whenever there's God is bringing judgment, He's going to give God's, His people a long time to repent. He's going to, he's going to send the warning. That's why He sent these prophets to warn uh, His people. And it says, And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. You know, we live in a world that is not friendly to God. But it says to live peacefully therein. Where are we going to find a place where we can find the peace of God uh, separate and outside of this world uh, that our hearts are comforted and encouraged uh, uh, but that place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, that Jesus uh, is Lord, uh, that Jesus uh, is uh, coming back that second time. And, and, and we have that great promise of God uh, to lean upon uh, that pillar of truth. Uh, we come uh, to that place where these things are proclaimed, the houses that we build, that we can gather and join together with family uh, to lift us up uh, even in our captivity. Isn't it a wonderful story that we are sinners Saved by grace. Saved by grace. Unmerited favor. God loved people. He loved them before the foundation of the world. He called us. And he called us out of sin to live a life for him. That we would, uh, uh, brethren beloved, present our bodies a living sacrifice. 
holy and acceptable unto God. Uh, we would not, uh, and God has not called us to die for Him. He's called us to live for Him. So live in peace as much as you can among and with all men. That Apostle Paul tells us that. For thus saith the Lord of the hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. Don't compromise. We have so many different uh, we have one God, one faith. How come there are innumerable uh, uh, signs on, on buildings uh, that people go to, uh, that houses that are built where the truth is not present? Because some man decided to deceive and get a following. I trust we are here, and I tell this often to the church I pastor, the Lord God has to be the focal point. Amen. If God is not first, this building will not mean anything to God's people to come in. It will be an empty sepulcher. Because God will not meet among those that are deceivers. They're deceived thinking that He will be there in their midst when the truth is not present. I'm not saying that there aren't God's people uh, in all these places because I believe Scripture says that we're going to find God's people in, in every kindred, nation, and tongue upon the earth. But brethren, there are so many that are deceived by worldly wisdom that they don't know the power of God and the peace that God provides us in the truth. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. I remember being at work and I was in the Navy, I was on a ship, and I got a phone call that my grandmother had passed away. She was in terrible health. And I said, thank the Lord. And everybody says, well, what happened? They were expecting something just, you know, a, a child was born or something like that. I said, my grandmother passed away. You know what? I had peace because I knew my grandmother was in a better place because uh, uh, at the moment that her body ceased, she went home to be with the Lord. She taught me that. She, she had no qualms. She was ready to go. And when she went, I thanked God. And people thought I was nuts. But that's the world's idea of death. For the prophecy, uh, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. That's pretty plain. What does God do? Jeremiah told us already. God sends pastors, how? After his own heart. And they shall teach what? Knowledge and understanding. Not lies. For the God, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. See, he tells them exactly when this captivity is going to end. So they have something in the future to look forward to. They're not going to be captive for the rest of. Eternity. They're not going to be captive. 
Brethren, we're not going to stay captive in our sin bodies forever. There's going to be an end to our captivities in our sin bodies. And he says here, uh, to perform my good word toward you. Where does the good word come from? It comes from God to us. All good and all perfect gifts come where? Down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God who changes not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And if you did this and said this and taught this to the, uh, to the Israelites in captivity, and he doesn't change, the same concept is going to apply to us in our captivity. Because God doesn't change. He handles these things the same way every time. He has let you know that there's coming a day. He told us there's going to come an end. Uh, and in that end, there's gonna, the earth is going to be consumed. Uh, the world we live in by a great fire. We don't know when it is, but that's the way it's going to end. For I know the fight. I love this. This is my, my wife knows how much I love this verse. I think the church at Madera, California knows I love this verse. Listen, for I know the thoughts. Remember, this is, these are the words of the Lord to these people. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Again, God, this is how he thinks of you. Beloved, this is how God looks and thinks of you. His thoughts toward you, saith the Lord, are thoughts of peace. Not of conflict. Not of all this stuff in our lives that causes us to be, you know, what what do they call that? All this drama. We have a drama-free God. All right? And if you have drama in your life that's not of the Lord, get rid of it. But he says here, I have thoughts to my thoughts toward you are of peace. And to put an explanation of what that means to us, he says, and not of evil. And not of evil. He doesn't have evil thoughts toward you. Even when it says that uh, we stand daily before the judgment seat of Christ, receiving those things uh, that we have done in our flesh. Even in uh, judgment from God individually in our lives, it's a thought of you of peace to bring you back to that place where you'll have peace and remove you from that place of evil. His thoughts toward you that you would have peace. And a peace that we have, a peace without understanding in this time world. But then, listen to this. To give you an expected end. This is why. To give you, he has given them when the end of their captivity will be. Has he given us that same hope that our captivity is going to end someday? That we have an expectation. What is hope? Yeah. It's an expectation. Yeah. And it's not only, it's, it's an expectation that we have a firm hold on by faith that it's going to come about because God has promised it. And God's promises are in Him, yea, and amen, under the glory of God. 
When God says, he says, let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. And God, when he says yea, you can take it to the bank. Uh, Abraham said he believed God. Uh, he believed that those things that weren't as if they already were. Brethren, we can uh, believe uh, that we are already uh, uh, in the presence of God in uh, the fashion uh, when we come together in this manner, he says he will meet us uh, and, and he'll be with us in six troubles and in the seventh no evil shall come upon us. Jesus says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, how, how long is it ever? Uh, he's with us. You know what? Uh, seek him while he may yet be found. Jesus doesn't get lost, by the way. Why do we need to seek him? Because we're lost. And he's nigh. Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. He stands at the door and knocks. I want to know this. Why is he outside starting? Why isn't he already in? And I trust this morning uh, that God is right here in the midst of this little place. But what a wonderful God we have because he's in the midst of the place where Brother Mark is this morning. He's in the midst of that place over there where they omit me. I trust he's in the midst of the church out in California that I pastor and the members therein this morning. And same with Brother Travis in the church he pastored. He's everywhere present. He's nowhere absent. He lifts us up above the time and temporal things of this world. I don't know what I'd do without church on Sunday. It's a bad week for my wife when I don't get to go to church. So how is this going to apply? Get ready, Brother Travis. I'm just going to go to one more place here real quick. I'm going to go to the first chapter of the book of Acts. We have an expected end, Brother Travis, don't we? And what is it going to look like? In the first chapter of Acts, this is the ascension of our Lord back to glory. And he says, uh, and it says, For John, uh, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Right? That declares right there, God's in charge. Don't worry about it. <coughs> Don't spend your energy worrying about things you have no control over. I have enough worry taking care of me at this very moment. I don't need it to, 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 to be worried about every little thing that this world going on in this world. I keep informed, don't get me wrong, but I do trust in what is being set forth that we have an expected end in the first chapter here of the book of, uh, of, of Acts. And it says, uh, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's going to be a witness here in the world until Jesus comes back. I hope the witness is here at Providence. Amen. I hope this witness is here uh, where 
Brother Travis passed. I hope the witness is in uh, this world and in this nation when the Lord comes back. But there's going to be a witness somewhere. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This, here's our expected end, Brother Travis. This same Jesus. I'm glad he added the word same. We don't have two Jesuses. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's when we're going to know. Read over in the book of Thessalonians. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins. Let's, let's turn over there real quick. I'm the most mangler of scripture when I try to quote it. I need to turn to it and read it. Third chapter. Fourth chapter. Fourth chapter. Thirteenth verse. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye have sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. That's part of our captivity. That captivity will keep us and it will disturb our hope. It will disturb our peace. It will disturb our joy. And by the way, all those come down from heaven. Blessings from God. If you would, rewards for uh, that uh, uh, turning and looking to Him. uh, The author and finisher of our faith, uh, which will comfort our very hearts in these times. It says, for if we believe, and that's not an if of doubt. It's since we believe. And look at, look at the, the blessing of believing that Jesus died and rose again. Even so then which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. That's what it talks about over in the book of Acts. He's coming back. The same Jesus in like manner. And this is what it's going to look like. He's coming back with a great cloud of witness. Uh, All those that have gone home, the souls and spirits of all those that have departed uh, already, uh, their bodies are going to come forth out of the tombs. They're going to be reunited with their soul and the spirit. And it says, uh, forever will be with the Lord. Comfort ye one another with these words.
for me. Amen. That's the purpose of the gospel. To bring to our knowledge the things of a loving God that he has done for you. I find it a constant marvel in my mind that the world is, seems to be completely ignorant of what our Lord has done for us. Proof of this is just look around at the empty pews. It's not your fault. The world just doesn't have time for the Lord anymore. I, uh, I have believed this particular uh, thought for a number of years. That the present day church is in a position that it has more, more competition than any other time in the history of man. There are more things to distract our minds, yes. take us away from the things of God. Satan has never stopped working. Mm -hmm. Someone said one time that the first time we find record of him, he's sitting under this tree of knowledge of good and evil. But he's still there. He still wants to take our minds away from God. I'm thankful for the things that Brother Tracy preached to us about this morning. Thankful for the Lord's Spirit upon him. Amen. Uh, I miss Brother Mark being with us. This morning... I want to beg your forgiveness. Uh, I'm an emotional man and I don't know what to do about it and I despise it. It just gets in my way. Many thoughts, many scriptures went through my mind as Brother Tracy was being blessed to bring the gospel to us this morning. And I hope the Lord will allow some of those thoughts and scriptures to stop somewhere in here that I might bring them forth to you. And I know what time it is. And I know what happens around 12 o'clock with Old Baptists? We, uh, one thing Old Baptists do is they hug and they eat. <laughs> and I love them. Uh, pray for us. Lead your prayers. And let's remember to pray for Brother Mark. He reported to us this morning that the Lord is blessing that meeting just as it was at Tyler Town. And I was especially thankful to feel 
presence of the Lord there, but also that it was a time that they officially, legally, uh, laid aside differences in titles of meetings and came together as one. They were already coming together. They just had the different names. <coughs> well, I used to be, when I was a school lad, I used to be asked, well, what religion am I? And uh, I wasn't as thankful then as I am now to be an old Baptist that I would say I'm a primitive Baptist. <laughs> I didn't, see, I grew up in California and uh, back there, and back out, out there, they don't hear of primitive Baptists. They have, they have no idea who they are. And I didn't really realize that there were as many as there were until I got to service and ran into some men and they asked me and I, I went ahead and told them, I'm primitive about Oh, I know them. <laughs> but those men were mostly from the South. But the name that we have, I hope we don't look upon it with pride, but that we receive it in thankfulness. Amen. The jokes that are made every time you tell someone uh, what the name of our religion is, is predictable every time. They start with the caveman jokes and they move on to the stones that we sit on and most of this comes from ignorance not just of who we are what we believe but not being educated in the meaning of words maybe I said that wrong they may have been educated they just didn't receive it but the gospel is vital to the Lord loving child of grace. It's vital. I, I often hear and I have said, I don't know what the Lord's people would do if they didn't have the church to come to to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I just don't know. Uh, Brother Tracy mentioned, actually preached on the point of uh, not worrying about the things that you can't control. I'm kind of hesitant to bring this up, but the uh, former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Mr. Tom Landry, I admired him. I felt like he was a God-fearing man. But he had a philosophy about how he coached. And his philosophy, because many of the players would get mad and angry and upset at the calls that they received from the referees. Well, Mr. Tom Landry's philosophy was, and he tried to get this across to his players, was 
you only worry about what you can do. Don't worry about what you cannot help and you cannot control the calls of the referees. So don't worry about them. We're going to play past the referees. You see, that isn't a philosophy restricted only to games. But it's good advice for life. Now, I'm a worrier. <laughs> Just am, and I can't help it. So, why am I telling you this when I'm guilty of committing the same offense? Well, one thing we need to remember about preachers is they're men, they're sinners. So when we're up here, and when the Lord does grant grace to preach, we have before us an imaginary mirror. And we're talking to ourselves at the same time. That we bring the Lord's grace to us. The Lord's mercy, the knowledge of it. He tells us to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How much knowledge can you receive once a week? One, if, if the minister is given an hour. How much, how much knowledge of God can you understand, can you find, can you receive in that span of time? My father-in-law was a, a primitive Baptist minister and he worked in a drugstore there in our hometown. And uh, there was a lady there that worked with them and she knew Brother James was a minister. And she had worn out her Bible and she asked Brother James if he would like to have it. She handed it to him, and the binding was completely worn out. Completely worn out. She had carried, she was a churchgoer. She carried this Bible to church. So Brother James appreciated the gift. He got it home, and he thought, well, I'm going to have to have this rebound. It was a good Bible. And when he began opening the pages, now I don't know, uh, how many new Bibles you've bought, but when you buy one, the pages are stuck together. You, you have to break it in. And he opened the book, and he found most of the pages were stuck together. What's that tell us? She enjoyed church. She probably heard her preacher, but she was not a student of the Bible. That was a brand new Bible inside the case. I wonder how much knowledge that she was able to grow in. You see, we can't just come to church on the Lord's Day and expect to have the proper amount of knowledge to gain fellowship with Christ. I didn't say relationship. If you're a son of God, you're a son of God. That doesn't grow, it doesn't diminish, it never changes. 
We can't improve our relationship with Christ. It's there. He established that point. But we can grow in grace and knowledge to have a closer feeling, fellowship with our Lord. And I love coming to the meetings. I love uh, coming to church. The Lord told us in uh, one place in the Hebrews letter, quoting an Old Testament scripture, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. I had a uh, relative tell me one time that old Baptists put too much emphasis on meeting together and coming to church. Uh, what that was was an excuse for not going to church. In its simplest form, that's what it was, was an excuse. Well, this word church here in this verse, when you go and read that in the Psalms, the word is supplanted is congregation. Mm -hmm. right. In the midst of the congregation slash church will I send praise unto thee. What does that mean? means the church is a group of folks that have congregated together to have uh, the same mind in the same doctrine to worship God. This isn't given to everybody. The disciples of the Lord said, Why speakest thou unto them in parables. He said, because unto them it's not given. He didn't say they weren't his children, but unto them it's not given. But unto you it's given. And when the Lord gives us something that is special, we have a high responsibility to keep that, to learn it, and worship him in spirit and in truth because the Lord said, he that worships me, must, or him, must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's not an option. The world wants us to believe that the Ten Commandments are suggestions, but that's because they don't want to follow in the first place. My brother sent me something a few weeks ago that said the world is offended by everything but sin. It wants to do away with all things of God and live like they want to. Even the second psalm says, let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords away from us. Those are the commandments God has given his people and they bind us in love to him and because we love him, we want to do those things. But they find him restrictive because they love the works of darkness rather than light. Just a matter of information, that word they love darkness, loved darkness. See, the, uh, the Christian world makes a great point 
about establishing the word agape as love. It is. It truly is. Love of God, love of charity, the love of love. But you know what? Where it says they love darkness is the same Greek word. So we need to be careful how we establish that point. We need to be careful and realize that as we love God, they love darkness. Yes, the Lord said that he'll be with us always, even unto the end of the world. That's the establishment of the gospel. Had an aunt and uncle that uh, used to live in Oklahoma. Uh, they're dead and gone now. As Brother Mark said the other night, they've been gathered under their people. But uh, they were wanting to go somewhere, and Uncle Morris was wanting to fly. Now, Aunt Velda was like me. She doesn't like flying. I, I just don't like flying. I don't want to scare you, but I used to work on airplanes. I don't want to fly. <laughs> but uh, Uncle Morris told Aunt Velda, he said, but the Lord tells us he'll be with us always under the end of the world. And Aunt Velda said, no. He said, lo, I'll be with you <laughs> under the end of the world. But he'll be with us. We have that promise. We have the Lord telling us by his actions that he loves us. When I was just beginning to try to learn the scriptures, I asked my father, well, why, did the, why did the Lord have to send his son to die for us? He said something to me that has grown in its magnificence over the years, especially when we study the word more and more. We come to the full realization of the purpose. And he said, how can God show his love for you any more than sending his son to die for you? How can you show your love for the brethren any more than being willing to give your life for your brethren? Greater love hath no man than this, than to give his life for his brethren. I was never in the bush uh, in the war. Uh, when I got my 1A draft notice back in the day, I thought, I don't want to go to Vietnam. So I ran down and I joined the Air Force, and that's the first place they sent me was Vietnam. <laughs> but I was blessed to not have to be out of what they call in the bush, you know, boots on the ground. But it was a war. Uh, I said last night that uh, politicians ran it and the news didn't call it a war, they called it a police action. But I want you to understand that those of us that were there, we knew it was war. Children of God in this world are in a warfare. We are soldiers of the cross. We sing a hymn that says that. 
And being soldiers, we have a captain. We are prisoners to him. He is the captain of our salvation, and by the gospel we know who he is. There's the blessing of the gospel, to know who he is. This is life eternal, that they might know me, the only living and true God whom thou hast sent, is eternal life. The gospel was preached. We find record that uh, in the Galatian letter, or to the churches of Galatia. But in the Galatian letter, it tells us that the gospel was preached before unto Abraham, saying, Indeed, shall all families of the earth be blessed. Why would that be considered a gospel? From the natural sense, the only thing they could see would be that Abraham is going to have a lot of children. A lot of grandchildren, a lot of great-grandchildren, and on and on and on. But my friends, there's a higher meaning behind that. Amen. That is, that out of every family that ever exists, there is at least one in that family that is a child of grace. All families of the earth be blessed. I don't find that to be the first time the gospel is preached. It's the first time the Bible says it's the gospel. But I want us to understand and be assured that after Adam fell and when the Lord came upon the scene and when he was condemning the serpent that Adam was being given hope out of his uh, place that he had condemned mankind to. That there would come a seed of the woman that would pay a price that you can't pay now. You've done messed up. And I know in my heart Adam was feeling the great weight of the condemnation. I'm sure that he was feeling, what have I done? What have I done? I have been given this place that I don't even have to work for my food. And now I'm going to have to start working. And briars and brambles and thorns are going to come up and bug me the rest of my life. What have I done? He didn't even know what death was. Nobody had died before. I believe that in this turmoil of soul that Adam was feeling like Paul did, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I'm going to die now. How am I going to be helped? How are we going to help the rest of our family? Well, the Lord is condemning the devil. And when he comes on the scene and he's condemning the serpent in the same words, in the same way the gospel is received and not received by the same sermon, he's giving hope to Adam. Mm. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It doesn't say seeds plural, it says seed. He shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, at that point, Adam couldn't have known who the Lord was talking about. 
want us to bring this point out too. Who's the voice of God? Who is the word of God? It tells us that after the fall, the voice of the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Who was that? The voice of God. The Son, the Word. And this is the one that's telling Adam of the hope that he now can receive and he's condemning the devil with the same words. But Adam was needing that hope. He couldn't have known who it would be at that point. It requires subsequent scriptures to understand who the Lord was talking about there. But Adam couldn't have known. But he didn't have to know. He just knew this. Someone's going to come and fix the problem. Someone's going to straighten out my mess. Someone's going to take and break me out of prison, Brother Tracy. We find in the 61st chapter of Isaiah, the first few verses, what our Lord did. Uh, that's one where I love the first verse of the book of Hebrews. Uh, not the first verse, first sentence. First four verses. It tells us that God speaks to us better now than he did unto the fathers and prophets. How is that better? We don't hear the literal voice of the Son of God, but here we hear the still small voice in our heart from that Savior that has redeemed us and called us by his grace. Regeneration is something that is done today by a miracle of grace the same way it was done to Adam when he needed to be born again. And it has occurred that way ever since. Don't let anybody tell you that in the Old Testament they didn't need to be born again. Because the book of Galatians, again, will tell us that there's somebody over there that was a child of the flesh persecuted him that was born of the Spirit. How can you be born of the Spirit unless you're born again? That happened back then. Uh, the minister said yesterday, right before lunch, that every time the doors opened, he could smell the food. Well, y'all got lugar doors here. <laughs> I don't have to have doors open. I smell it. And I know I forgot what time it was and forgive me. But may we be thankful for the gospel that God has given us in a special way. Not everybody is able to receive this special word. It's a high responsibility that we need to be careful to maintain and cultivate. We can't improve the gospel, but we can improve the telling of it. We can improve, you know. I'm not saying this is wrong. This is just the way it's been. Uh, Many times when you're looking for an old Baptist church, you've never been there before, you're going through the country, a lot of times you'll go right by it, not even know it's there. <laughs> right. Well, 
I believe that people need to know where we are. I believe we need to tell people where we are, and I believe we need to tell people what we believe and why we do. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, not with pride. No, no. Leave pride aside. Amen. Respond to this in the way God has given it to you and be thankful. Be thankful. But be ready. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth. There is no wrong here. There's no error here. It's all of God. God has revealed himself to us, told us who he is. And being of the Son of God, by adopted, born-again children, by Jesus Christ, we have the obligation to study this. Don't depend on your preacher to teach you everything. Learn. Uh, one of the things that's been difficult for me is to make time, not find time. Make time to study. I, I've had a hard time doing that. My stepfather told me uh, at, at the weekend of my ordination, he said, bury yourself in the Word of God. Right. I, I haven't heeded that. I've paid the price of not heeding that. But may we study. You, there's no place in here that tells us that preachers are supposed to study more than members. We're all supposed to study. And you improve and you increase the close fellowship with your Lord by doing so. Love you and appreciate you more than you know. Thankful, thankful to be here. Appreciate your charity and your, your patience.